Welcome to Powered by Her, exploring the stories of how area women power their business. Here, from the growing network of female entrepreneurs of the Upper Cumberland, with your host Tiffany Anton, Director of Biz Foundry. Powered by Her starts now. Hi, you're listening to Powered by Her in the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. I have Amber Zarkor from Copper Heart Creative in today. Hi, Amber. Hey there. Thank you for joining me. Um, so you're kind of a little bit unique from a lot of our, um, guests are usually a little more local to us, which you're, you are in Nashville, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, but you have, and our, our kind of connection has been that you worked for, you worked with Kelly Fitzpatrick, who was a former guest of ours on Powered by Her. And so that was kind of the connection that we made. Um, so you work, your clients are all over, correct? Yeah. Uh- I own a virtual branding agency, and so all our, all of our clients are located all over the U.S. Okay, so you have clients all over, and Copperheart Creative started when, and what is it? Give us the 30-second elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so Copperheart Creative is a virtual branding agency, and we specialize in finding the heartbeat of your business by finding and digging into why you started your business in the first place and who you're serving. And then from there, we create visuals to and your brand voice and all of the things that go along with branding so that we can portray your heart and the heartbeat of your business to your customers and to the world. So, and you guys are like, absolutely love it. You're all encompassing. I mean, it's not just a logo and colors and, and a font. It's like, Hey, let me come into your space and figure out how to make your space feel how you how how somebody wants their brand to feel. Absolutely. And a lot of um, branding can also be confused with life coach. So a lot of people, you know, what as a person, you always ask yourself, who am I? What's my purpose? What am I doing in this life? Well, for a business, it's literally no different. So it's just asking those really hard questions. So I really love the re- the relationship side of what we do is really big. And that's why we put heart in everything. And we say, we design with heart for people with heart. And if your heart's in it, so is ours. I mean, so, we, so take us back to like you. young Amber as a girl. Do you think you were the kind of girl that always like in school, were you the one that always looked out for everybody and you wanted to make sure everybody felt good and like, you're really caring about other people or how do you think you were as you know a younger amber yeah i honestly would say that i was the black sheep of our family because (laughs) i was always just kind of beating to my own drum and i didn't really know who i was when i was younger so i was honestly whoever you wanted me to be whoever i was around and i think that's where it just took a lot of growing up to step in and realize that I am a nurturer and I care so much about other people that I was putting myself aside. Side note, I'm like saying this out loud and I'm like, oh, well, yep, I still have seasons like that, but not as drastic. (laughs) But yeah, I think I was always caring for people and was looking out for others. But I think at that young of an age, I'm just picturing like high school, college, I'm like, we're all selfish in those seasons so there's no way to really tell but I feel like it's it's just a good um way to see how that's always been in me when I was younger um 
our neighbor lady always said that I had a golden heart and I was like, I don't even know what that means. And now literally you 15, have 16 years later, I have copper heart is my business. So that had a lot to play into it. Wow. We're going to get to that in a second. I want to, I want to know, um, you know, why you chose the name you chose, but so as a kid, do you think you saw yourself being a female entrepreneur? Do you think you saw yourself like, you know, I know you've done a lot of graphic work and branding and logos and that kind of stuff. Um, but do you think you thought, or as, as an early age that you would own your own business? Um, honestly, I was always the one, you know, doing quote unquote freelance work really young age um remember in sports when you have like a spirit spirit um what's that called a spirit buddy or whatever they would decorate oh yeah yes yeah Mm -hmm. okay and um (laughs) so I would always like even though the whole team would have a specific person that they were designated to I would end up doing everybody (laughs) because they were like well yours looks so much better can you do mine too and it's like uh sure so I started freelancing and hustling really young but even through high school and stuff, I took design classes and worked at a t-shirt design place. So I, I've had a design job since I was a junior, like professional design job, wow. a junior in high school. Have you, it was, was art an interest of yours always, or where did you get that? Or do you think it was more that serving others kind of thing? I think it's kind of, kind of both. Just being able to create and then also with the love of people and being able to see the look on their face when you give them the design that they've been thinking about, but they couldn't actually ever create it. And so being able to take someone's vision and hand it back to them and be like, here you go. And they start crying like, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And it's way better. And so the entrepreneur part, I feel like I kind of fell into that and I'm learning every day. Um, Thank you, Google. But besides that, I think I just kind of fell into it. But it was the art that drove me the whole way through into that field. Do you think that you could have seen yourself as, you know, why this? Why branding as opposed to other ways, uh, you know, other businesses you could have done or other, um, you know, you could have been an artist or you could have... um, you know, why, why open a branding business? So you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and helping other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs kind of serve their groups. So why, why do you think you picked this? I think it picked me, if I'm being honest. And just like any good entrepreneur, you just kind of see the problem or you see this and then you create a solution for it. And so I was job jumping a lot and I loved my career and I absolutely loved working with clients and I was the definition of a job jumper. My LinkedIn is a hot mess. And so it's, it's not that bad. They're all kind of sequential. They're all, it's, (laughs) they're, they're in an order. There's no gap. So that's good. Um, but I think that a lot of it was just falling into entrepreneurship and I'm an Enneagram two and a wing three. So I am a helper at heart, but I am a CEO and a leader. So like I have that checklist mentality, but I'm all about feelings. And branding is so based on feelings because buyers who are building our market and supporting our businesses are all 
they're making purchases based off feelings, especially females. And so being able to help businesses tap into those feelings and then be able to relate to their customers and result succeeding in their business or, and the fact that we get to be a small part of that is just the coolest thing ever. I get to combine all of my skills and background and education to help others. And I think that's what entrepreneurship, how I'm totally okay with it because the spreadsheets and the numbers and the taxes I could do with that. But <laughs> all of that stuff, the heart stuff, I thrive in. And but that's so, why you find the experience. right people, the right team you can build to kind of take care, you know, suit your weakness, you know, help help your weaknesses. They have strengths. And so um, that's kind of the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you're able to build the team you want and the team Absolutely. that, that complements you well. So after, you know, you're, you're bumping around from these jobs. And so what really was the moment when you're like, I need to start my own thing? So ironically, it was my meeting with Kelly Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, I was working at a branding agency that Lenny and Eva had hired them. And so um, at the time, it was a bunch of men in the office and me, I was the only female and it's a jewelry company. So they're like, well, we should probably bring a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm totally okay with this. And I was really excited. I was the art director at the time. So I probably deserved to be at the meeting anyways, but I was just thrilled that I got to go. So we're having this meeting and we're having a really in-depth strategy, just walking through um, a lot of details about their brand and their pain points and, you know, moving forward with their story. And Kelly had shared her story of why she started Lenny and Eva in the first place. And everyone was just like on the edge of their seat. She had so much passion. It filled my heart so much. And I was so scared to say it in the meeting, but when she was done talking, I finally was like, you need to share the story. Like so many women are going to relate to this. This is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. And, and she literally, her response was, I don't want to be in the spotlight because this is a team effort. And I started sobbing because that is the definition of the type of leader that I want to be one day. And it was so cool to be able to see that. And then also all, the whole team started crying. Like all the Lenny and Eva team started crying. And the boss that I was working for at the time was like, all right, let's move on. Like, let's talk about timeline and numbers. I'm like, whoa, we are having a moment. <laughs> and that is the heart that I knew. I was like, this can be different. This has to be different. There's got to be a better way to see people. This is this business was her baby. It is her baby. And we are not taking this lightly. And I just think that that is something that putting the heart back into design is where I saw the entrepreneurship light bulb come in of, you know, that infamous question, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. And so I went back into the office. And what year was this? What year was this when you had that meeting? This was 2016. Okay. So this was, yeah, September, 2016. And we went back in and had our staff meeting the next week. And I, my boss was just not being very friendly. And I just 
the words I quit fell out of my mouth. And I was like, <laughs> oh my word. I don't, did I just say that out loud? And had, you ever, was looking at me. had you ever quit a job before that point? Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was in a staff meeting. And so I'm just like looking around and everyone's looking at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just said that out loud. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I quit. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, there's gotta be a better way. And so I ended up quitting and finishing out my two weeks, of course. But um, that was my big, scary leap of faith into entrepreneurship. And I accidentally stumbled into it because you know, girl, I quit without a backup plan. (laughs) And so my butt was signed up for Lyft and Uber literally the next day. I was like, how am I gonna pay my rent? I mean, one client turned into another, turned into another, and just the relationship building. So so when did you actually decide, like, Copperheart Creative, this is what it's going to be? So how long from September to, like, okay, I have my own business? So September, I literally got my client the first week that I was on freelance, and that led to a bunch of other ones, and so... It was one year after doing business and having contractors working with me. Um, I was going underneath my maiden name, so Amber Brandon Design. We hopped on a client call, and my developer and a copywriter were on the call with me. And the developer got on the call first, and he's like, hello, this is Adam. And she's like, wait, where's Amber? Who's, wait, hold on, who? <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, we're a team now, so we need a team name. So, um that's when it was one year after Do you, we decided to t- rename. Take me in, into that a, a little bit too. I think it, it gives you a little bit more legitimacy. I think there's people who are freelancers and it's like, I just, you know, I do this on the side or, I, you know, I'm, yes, I'm making my living on it, but I'm not a legitimate business because I'm just a freelancer, quote unquote, just a freelancer. Um, so, Take me through that a little bit. What, what, you know, I, I, I get like having a team, but what were the feelings when you like picked Copperheart Creative, you made this logo, you made, you know, you, it, it was this complete process. Like, how did that feel putting that on paper? I think if you would tell me back in 2016 that I would be here right now, I would be shaking in my boots. And so I think the beauty in that is that each step was a small step towards where I'm going. And so I started as a freelancer and that's how I made my income and paid my rent. And then I realized that doing bigger projects required more people. And so I just slowly brought in contractors. Hey, do you want to partner with me on this site? Um, It's a WordPress build and I need a copywriter and a developer. Like, let's created quote around this. And then I was like, Oh, wow, we got another quote that's similar. Let's do this again. And I think being able to take the small steps of moving towards of making it a business versus waking up one day and being like, I'm going to run a six figure branding agency tomorrow, and I'm going to launch it and it's going to be successful. It was never like that. And I think I'm a, I'm a Christian. So I believe that God gives us what we can handle when we can handle it. And that was definitely not in my wheelhouse then. So every single small step from becoming a freelancer to building a team, to creating an agency, to becoming a business owner, all flowed together. 
Yeah, that I think that giant leap of faith can sometimes be scary. I mean, you accidentally did it when you quit your job and it kind of forced you into this, but then you kind of did it in your own timeline to take some baby steps. So that kind Absolutely. of, you know, got you to be able to, to be comfortable and successful as to where you're at. And I think the big difference of what you were saying earlier with freelancer and business owner is boundaries. And I think that as a freelancer, people just assume you work till midnight and don't wake up till 11 a.m. and drink Mountain Dew and sit in a basement somewhere and work or like don't actually work like you don't take it seriously. And I think that's just the stigmatism that comes with freelance. But even if there is a freelancer out there, you're still a business owner. You just only have one employee and it's you. Right. And sometimes that's the worst employee. (laughs) It's your worst and best. I feel like it's just a stigmatism that comes with it in the industry. So being able to say like a freelancer is doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing. There's just a little bit more dynamic involved with bodies and my contractors, but it's the same thing. So you are a business owner. Well, I think you just don't want to own the title yet, especially as women, um, w- women can undercut themselves and undersell themselves and not give themselves the credit that they deserve sometimes. And so I think it's really important to remember, um, like I said, it's these air quotes of just a freelancer. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, you're not that far away from you know, really hitting it out of the park. Um, it's just a few small steps sometimes for those of you who are just just saying it instead of saying just a freelancer, it's like, I'm a business owner. You just have to choose to say the different for sure to to put on the different hat is what I like to say. Yeah. Or uh, we, we had a previous guest that said she doesn't wear a lot of hats. She wears a lot of shoes. So she likes to wear different (laughs) shoes. Um, so I don't know that. I can't relate to that. I own a lot of Nikes and that's about it. (laughs) In case you're just joining us, we have Amber Zaracor from Copperheart Creative. And um, so tell me a little bit about maybe some time that you thought, I don't know if I could do this, you know, where you questioned yourself or you thought, I'm just going to stay here and not grow and and scale my business to where, where I could go. I'm just, you know, some scary parts. Hmm. There's a lot of seasons like that because I feel like with every high, there's always a low season. And so the roller coaster of entrepreneurship is real fun. Yeah. But there's so many seasons like that. And I feel like I almost get one every year. Um, Like the big blowout fear based, just, I don't know how I'm going to get through this or I'm paralyzed. I'm self-sabotaging you know you're getting into bad habits or you see things that are happening out of your control and you don't know how to handle it. I mean, there are so many things that you see fallen relationships breaking or you can't pay your taxes or didn't save accordingly or legally didn't follow the rules with, you know, there's so many things that breaching contracts, just so many things that come up as an entrepreneur that are terrifying. And if you get in the fact of like, worrying too much about it it can consume you and so the big season that sticks out for me with all of this is in 2018 that was the biggest year that I had had I had grown copper heart from launching starting my business in 2016 and then changing it to copper heart creative in 2017 
And then 2018 was my biggest year. And so I was so proud of my bank account and my team. I was our client roster. I mean, I just was so confident in everything. And then everything started to unravel because I started worrying. And the fact of, is this all that I can do? Where do I go from here? Have I reached the top already? Or am I gonna slide back down? Am I gonna fail? Is someone gonna steal from me or leave me or break relationship? Like what happens in all this? And I got so paranoid and worried that I got so overwhelmed that I started having a bunch of panic attacks. Mm. And that was something new that I had never experienced in my life. And as an entrepreneur, it just, all of that worrying took a toll on my body. And my body was saying, stop. And so 2018 was a really big year. And that's when I downsized. I pivoted. We only focus on branding now. Um, I downsized my team. We really reined in our mission. We relaunched our website and just really vetting the clients that we were working on. So we don't have a specific person or type of business that we work with, but we really focus on that interview call with me and the client um, to make sure that it's a good fit as a person because I have to protect my heart and my team's heart um, and making sure it's a good fit. So So I'm sure prior to 2018, you were probably very, very concerned with ever saying no to somebody. That's dollars in your, your team's account that you could be losing. And what if you say, no, it's not a right fit. And what if they say, they tell somebody else and you lose other people because of that. So how do you get, as an entrepreneur, how do you get through to really find your values and stay true to those values? I think we all know when it's not a good fit. I mean, you just know, you get off that call and you're like, that was weird. Or why do I feel frustrated? And you're like, I just talked to this person on the phone for 20 minutes. Why am I agitated with what they said? Or you can hear red flags and just acknowledging them. Like, I don't need a brand. I just need a logo. It's like, ooh, you're not a good fit for us. Just hearing things that you know in your core strike nerves. And that's your gut saying, this is not a good fit. And so a lot of that was found with just finding our values, but also with me personally, always looking back at them and journaling a lot. And so whenever I would get off a call with a client, especially like really big proposals, I would make sure that it was a good fit. And I'd journal about how I felt about how the call went. Um, what would a great relationship look like for what this could be successfully? And um, how would my team react if I told them that we took this project on? Who would be a good fit for this? And like all these questions that I would journal about and then make sure at the end that it was 100% something that I could commit to. Because our timelines are not quick turn and burn. We're in a relationship and we're it's a partnership with that client. And something that I value so much is building that relationship and having them trust us. And so making sure that it's a good fit is crucial. And I never did it to that scale before 2018, but even before then I was still pretty good at saying no. Um, you know, when you just meet that person and your skin kind of crawls and you're like, I don't 
This is, I don't think I like you. Yeah. Yeah. Just say no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this not doesn't a good feel fit. right. Well, do you feel like, do you feel like people become your clients become your family? Like they're oh, part of this. Absolutely. I feel like they almost need like a, you know, a t-shirt that says like, I'm part of the copper heart family. Um, because you know, the, so another way, like once, you know, we connected, I went and saw the co-working space that you did, um, collective, you guys say 615, 615, right? 615. (laughs) Um, and so the space is beautiful and gorgeous. And not only did you, you know, help them with their logo and like I said, the colors and the, the fonts and that, you're kind of this interior decorator as well to like make sure the space all flows with the whole entire brand. Oh, I cannot take credit for their beautiful design work. They had sponsors and, um, or maybe not sponsors, partnerships with West Elm and a lot of incredible interior designers. But it was so cool to be the branding designer and be able to see how they took our in-depth brand guidelines, which is like 30 pages long and apply them into the space. So they were like with, sitting down with West Elm and pulled out the brand guidelines and pulled out fabric swatches for a velvet um, emerald couch mm-hmm. that was going to be made. And they pulled out the Pantone color that I had designed. Right. And it's just so cool to see um, spaces using their branding like that. I mean, but, but you're kind of this, like you're an interpreter, I guess, of like taking somebody's heart, putting it into paper and pencil and colors, like I said, and then being able to like have somebody else put that out into a space, you know, you're kind of this middleman, I guess, maybe of, of interpreting for others to, to kind of make everything flow together because that space is, the the brand it you know it's not just a space it it's the feel of the logo of the the whole entire thing oh yeah that's one thing that we've really gotten into recently is encouraging brick and mortar businesses to do the branding process before starting the building process so i've actually done a lot of networking with interior designers architects builders to get in front of um commercial spaces before they start the build out because if you're walking into a build out for a new restaurant or a hotel or say co-working space and you don't know your brand you're just picking colors that look pretty on the wall and you're not creating that cohesive brand experience for your customer that looked you up online found you on instagram for your address and then came into your physical store and if that's not a seamless brand experience there's going to be red flags in the buying process yeah yeah it doesn't feel i I mean i I think you're so right in the fact that um there's so much feeling in in buying and as a customer you don't really you're not putting a a name to that feeling or you don't think oh well being in the store being in this restaurant being in this space makes me feel a certain way it's just, it's seamless. And so you kind of, um, you got kind of have to tap into that. Do you have any psychology background or anything? Have you, did you take any classes of 
nope. <laughs> it's, <laughs> but it, I'm learning every day. Again, <laughs> thanks, Google. <laughs> yeah. There's people way smarter, smarter than me on the internet. So I just trust what they say. Well, and I think, <laughs> you know, that self-education of just listening to podcasts. And so, um, you know, just, just knowing new people and kind of all the resources out there, it, it makes you a more well-rounded person. Absolutely. And asking questions, that's been the best part. And I think going back to the cohesiveness between like online and your physical brick and mortar, or just meeting you as the, as a person, as like, as the business owner, you represent the brand too. And so, um, with all of that, millennials have been the most sensitive to the brand cohesiveness. Like they are the ones that if they see something that's off brand or feels wrong, they'll immediately put you off as spam or irrelevant or not trustworthy. And that's the last thing you want for your business. So it's really important to make sure that every single aspect is cohesive. And so that's where we absolutely love coming in for the whole process because millennials are now our top buyers so well and it's it's funny because i think millennials people in their mind they think so much of like just early 20 somethings and it's like well millennials have gotten older now and they're not 30 somethings now so thank you yes yeah for (laughs) sure so in case you're just joining us we have amber zaracor from copperheart creative in the henson oakley podcast center and you're listening to powered by her um so we i said this earlier i want to hear why did you pick copperheart creative for the naming? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I always joke, I'm like, it depends who's asking me because a lot of thought goes into naming businesses and we do this a lot for our clients and it is so difficult <laughs> to name a business, especially when it's your own. And so of course I started on GoDaddy and I was looking for all of the open URLs that had anything to do with creative in it. And then I made a list of all of the words that had meaning to me. And when I was freelancing, the designing with heart for people with heart was a huge um, just mission for me. So I wanted heart to be in it somewhere, but I didn't want it to be so girly that it was like golden heart. Like that just sounds so sparkles and sunshine that I'm, I mean, I'm the definition of sparkles and sunshine, (laughs) but I don't want my business to come off that way. So Um, finding something that's a little bit more professional. And so copper actually is the metal that when it's mixed with other metals, it's stronger. It's the cohesive one that holds them all together. And so that's literally how I built my business was all of my contractors are coming in. They're their own creative business owners, copywriters, developers, coming into my um, copper heart umbrella and family And we all are stronger together because we can do bigger projects, do better work and serve clients way better than we ever could on our own. So it just kind of combined all of the things that I really believed in into one name. And so, yeah, I mean, Copper Heart just really stuck and it rolls off the tongue and it's easy to say. And I've gotten some funny ones like Copperhead and... (laughs) I mean, I can't. Well, road and like you said, it kind of gives a little nod to your, you know, next door neighbor as a kid who said you had a heart of gold. And so, um, yeah. you know, you, you have a copper heart now. Yes. <laughs> I don't know it's if that means. Evolved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. When I renamed my business, I 
messaged her and I let her know that that had something to do with it. Too. I was like, hey, there, I was inspired, but Golden Heart didn't flow. And at the time I had a developer, um, his business was Silver Box. And so I was like, we got copper and silver and <laughs> my previous gold. I'm like, we got all the metals here. That's right. <laughs> it's a pretty box of stuff. So. Um, so tell me a little bit too. So another side project that you really just kind of decided quickly this last fall to, to, I mean, I want to say throw together, but that sounds not right because it was way ton of work. Um, and it came out beautifully, but you started, you decided to, to have a women's conference, (laughs) Out of nowhere, you just, this weighed on your heart and you said, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. You got one of your clients actually to join the team. So tell me about that. So before all of this, um, being an online business owner, I was working from home a lot. And this was before the co-working space opened. And I was like, I need community. I need women here in my life. And so I started a wine night in my living room and we were having super deep conversations, but the same topics kept coming up and it was really insightful. And so a couple weeks later, after starting this wine night, we had done it a couple times and I had a meeting with my client, the white Chateau in Owensboro, Kentucky and their wedding venue. And we were chatting and she was like, I just can't talk about business right now. There's a lot going on and I can't focus. And I was like, that's totally fine. Like, let's talk about what's going on. And it was the same stuff that was coming up in wine night. And so she hadn't, you know, after this conversation, she had emailed me and was like, I think, um, I've always dreamed of starting a women's business conference. Would you like to help me with it? And I was like, no way. (laughs) Because literally that week, after our conversation, I was journaling and I was like, how do I take wine night and do it at a bigger scale? And literally the answer was in my inbox. And so that was probably the coolest part of how it came to be. Um, but Suzanne's vision for starting a women business conference had quickly evolved into, we can't run our businesses if our cups are empty and taking care of yourself as a business owner and protecting what fills you up and what drains you and how you can't operate on an empty cup. And so we were so passionate about bringing together our communities, filling all of these women's cups and just letting them be inspired and encouraged again when a lot of people were in hard seasons. And so, and that was before all of this mess. And so we, had the conference in February. We ended up having 82 women there, which was incredible. And the heart that went into that and the intentionality all the way from our speaker selection to the journal prompts and what was in the swag bags, everything was intentional of how do we want the women to feel when they're here and when they leave. And that goes into branding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We branded the whole conference in an experience and did it on a very large scale. And it was one of the most fulfilling things I think I've ever done. So what's your future plans for the conference? And the, the conference was called Fill Your Cup. And like you said, it was in Owensboro, Kentucky at the beginning of February. So what is the future for that? Do you think you'll do it, make it an annual thing? 
make it a you know five city stop tour what what's the future <laughs> that's a great question and i think we had a strong vision for what we thought it would be and then the world had different plans and so with everything that's going on right now it's hard to even think about planning an event because we don't know when we're going to be out of this season um so in-person events we're just wondering for if this is going to be a annual thing will we be allowed to have large events again in a year or is this going to last longer or just kind of we're kind of taking a step back and letting seeing what's going on before we start planning for what that looks like so we've tossed around ideas of maybe a virtual conference or how we can continue to get the women together in different ways but we will definitely be having another one. As a two wing three, is it hard for you to pause and say, okay, let's, let's see where life's going to take us? Um, yes, I would say. But I think because, again, my faith plays a big role in this. Um, my plans are always laughable yeah. to the one who makes my plans. And yeah. so... Um, if my life would have gone to plan the way I thought it would, I don't even know who I would be right now. And so really just like, instead of white knuckling this, like we got to have an annual conference. It's got to be in February, 2021. Right. We're just releasing it and saying, whatever happens is going to happen. And even with business, whatever happens is going to happen. And I'm literally having my hands just completely open right now instead of having a clenched fist and that practice of whether you believe in a higher power or not, just releasing control of whatever you're holding on to is so good in every aspect. So this season has been, and honestly, every season has been big in just releasing control and just seeing what happens. So, yeah. And that's, I think that is, it's once you can get to that point as a, as an entrepreneur or, or in life, um, where you can just say, I don't have control over this and it will be okay. And I will figure out and pick up the pieces. Um, you know, you and I talked about a little bit at the beginning, um, there was tornadoes at the beginning of this, of March. There's been, you know, uh, a, a COVID-19 that has caused us to stay at home. And so it's just definitely a, a, a weird, se- weird is the my biggest word I can say is weird season. Um, there's silver linings to a lot of this and there's some tough stuff too, but as much as you can say, okay, I don't have control and I'll figure it out. And, and that is really helpful, I think. Yeah, it's all the mindset stuff. I mean, that's such a good practice as an entrepreneur of just keeping a positive, optimistic outlook and practicing that every day but it comes in waves of how powerful they are and how when it does actually break you but you always get up yeah we are in the Hinton Oakley Podcast Center with Amber Zaracor from Copperheart Creative so what's next for you Amber or Copperheart Creative what can we look to see um I mean we just got done talking about how we don't really know but what in the next five years, like what, what do we, what do you think we could see from you? Absolutely. I think even right now I'm doing a little bit of pivoting. So after the Fill Your Cup conference, um, I was a panelist there and obviously planned a lot of it with my partner. 
And it was just really fascinating to see where I started thriving in that. And so the building the community and stepping out and being more of a educator and speaker has been really heavy on my heart. And so I've started doing some mentoring for designing and helping other people grow from that freelancer or I'm just a freelancer mindset into becoming a business owner. So that's been really great on the business side and just sharing the knowledge and wealth that I've picked up along the way and helping others that are coming into that season. And so I think shifting into more of an educator and speaker role and less of the nitty gritty day to day. Um, but Copper Heart too is thriving and our team is growing and we're specializing even more in branding. And it's just been such an honor to continue to grow this this baby that I made and see how it's evolving and just um, doing what I love with people that I love every day. It's incredible. That's that that is exciting. Um, so how can people connect with you? How can they find you or Copper Heart Creative? So right now we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, Copper Heart Creative uh, is our handle. And then if they want to connect with me personally, I would love to hear from you. Um, my handle is Amber Zaracor. So <laughs> Z as in zebra. <laughs> That's how I'm learning to have to say my last name. Like, and don't don't necessarily send you messages on LinkedIn because you don't check it all that often. <laughs> nope, not very much. I'm very much more of a relational in that just, I mean, it's hard because we have someone managing our my LinkedIn for business purposes, but yeah. um, personal-wise, like to mentor or speak or just really connect and get to know each other, it's more on the Instagram and Facebook. So if they wanted to reach you for mentoring purposes, would they reach out to you through uh, like an Instagram message? Are you the one checking Copperheart Creative messages? Or is there yeah, an email so address? I do all of my mentoring underneath my personal brand and all of my speaking. And um, I've been doing some journal prompts as well and creating some resources. So all of that, if it's anything to do with branding, it's on Copperheart Creative as a client. If it's anything to do with personal development or speaking or education, it's on my personal brand. Sounds great. And um, I thank you for coming in and sharing your story today. I really appreciate you. And um, I can't wait to see what you do um, in the future. Thank you. You as well. <laughs> this is an exciting unknown time, but hopefully you're able to use it to rest and do the scary thing, the big scary dream. <laughs> do the damn thing. <laughs> Do the damn thing. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. You've been listening to Powered by Her. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.